Huh. How's the soup looking? What's the soup look like? I think the soup feels more comfortable on this side. Yeah. Soup looks more comfortable on this side. Uh, so happy Juneteenth, everyone. Happy Juneteenth. Uh, in honor of Juneteenth, I'm going to continue being black. And that is that. But I also want to pose the question. What do we want as black people? What is it that we actually want? I ask that because I think we've done a really good job at articulating and explaining exactly what it is we don't want. We do a really good job at that. And just FYI throughout this thing piece, uh, when I say black people, I do in fact mean black people globally, because I know oftentimes when the term black people is used, it's assumed to mean just black people in America or at least the Western hemisphere. But I do in fact, as unless stated otherwise, throughout this entire piece, I do, in fact, mean black people globally, no matter where your foot hit the soil on the ground on this earth, right? But I think why it's so easy for us to articulate exactly what it is we don't like, one of the reasons, right, is because we do have a common enemy that commonly affects us all. And for those of y'all in the back, that enemy is, in fact, white supremacy. So it's easy for us to pinpoint that issue and, and analyze it. But the question still remains, what the have do we spend a lot of time and effort talking about what it is we actually want? Like where it is we want to see ourselves as a community, right? In five, 10, 15, 20 years, I've noticed a pattern of these band-aid solutions that we come up with every three to four years, hint, hint, every election, you know, time wants to come around. We come up with these band-aid solutions and some of them, you know, they, they, they do well for short-term goals, but they never benefit us as a community in the long-term. And I also think that we've been conditioned right, to prioritize the lifestyle of others and especially white supremacy and those who white supremacy seeks to preserve, i.e. white people, we have been conditioned to prioritize sustaining their lifestyle, their ecosystem, their economics, their society, and we have also been conditioned to think and or feel that prioritizing our own preservation is a crime, to say the least, to say the least. And I think that's just one factor, just one. There are many factors, but I think that's just one factor that, that hinders us from having uh, conversations that lead to action right because nothing gonna change without action 
we can talk all we want. We can talk all day from sun up to sundown. No action, no change, right? Though that's one of the factors that has hindered us from coming up with a plan and organization as to what it is we actually do want. Now, <laughs> that's not to say that we have not had attempts, uh, even success, right? But again, we do live in this society, right? I think one of one of the most uh, vivid examples of us desiring, choosing, and acting to do for self, right, would be um, Black Wall Street. They built, they burnt it down and built uh, Central Park in New York over it. Tulsa Massacre, right? There are documented, quite vivid displays, right? And there are also instances that are not so vivid. We maybe call them microaggressions, right? Um, not being able to get a loan to, to start a business or get a house when you're a, you are very much well qualified, right, to get one. But because of what? The color of what? You don't. So many, so many things going on, but let's stick to the point. What is it that we want? What is it that we want? I want to remind everyone that we live outside of white supremacy. We exist outside of white supremacy. Our lives are not obligated to cater and coddle what white supremacy has drawn up for us to, to, to combat in and to ponder on every single day. Our identity is not tethered to white supremacy. White supremacy seeks to tether itself to us. We're not attached to it. It wants to attach itself to us. We're not an example of white supremacy's actions. Okay, we are the target of it. What do I mean by that, though? Let's take, for instance, when we say, when Marcus Garvey says, and now we say, separate but equal. You've probably heard that phrase before, separate but equal. When we say that, we may be accused and have been accused of perpetuating the same qualities that drove white supremacy to create the Jim Crow laws and really just, you know, how they move all together. When we say we want power, we're accused of wanting to do what white supremacy chose to do with their power. But to assume that white supremacy's definition and how white supremacy chose to practice their power, to assume that that must be the universal understanding of what power is, is to continue to assume white supremacy is the center of thought, is the basis and foundation we build our ideal society and mold our consciousness around. That means we're taking a group or groups of people that have historically been documented for centuries to do quite malicious things to get what they want. That's what we're basing our, our standard of consciousness and morality and ethics on. 
that's our example. That's our rule of thumb. That's where we're starting. That's our starting point. Scratch his head. Scratch his head. So I would say back in uh, 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 maybe like the 60s, you know, and, and before that, if I even probably veered off towards the 70s, um, but cer- certainly before that time, I will say that the physical warfare on us was more vividly displayed than it is in this day, right? It certainly is still uh aspect of, of warfare that we encounter every day. But I would say right now what we struggle with is the mental warfare, right, of living in proximity to white supremacy. The mental warfare that places an internal struggle on us and drags us down into the exhausting, emotionally draining experience that is being the direct target of a malicious militia. I should be a poet. Listen, this is a status quo that forcefully, covertly, and overtly imposes upon us that we live in harmony with abuse and oppression. This opposing force seeks to deplete us of all our energy so that we have nothing left to pour into our own, to build, nurture, organize, cherish, uplift our own. How many times have you gotten a spark of inspiration to do something that was geared towards uplifting and building the Black community, our community, and somewhere, whether it be right at the beginning of taking that first step or somewhere along that path in that line, you're struck with uh, having to combat white supremacist rhetoric. And again, we are the direct target of white supremacy, right? You have to, uh, to feel as though you can move along this path. It's like, you can't just ignore that. You feel as though you can't just ignore that rhetoric because that rhetoric will, again, you are a direct target of it, right? And to be a target is to, it's seeking harm on you, whether that be physically, emotionally, spiritually, or mentally. So it places this roadblock in your mind, even in your spirit, your emotions, that you cannot move forward until you address this thing, right? And that depletes, it's such a heavy thing. It depletes you of your energy and in turn your ability to execute what it is you desire to do. Because it's like you're not, your focus is not simply on uplifting and building your community. You are now being dragged in another direction to 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 face something else that quite literally seeks to harm you it has been designed to harm you now i i genuinely believe that we can resolve the issues that commonly affect us with unity with unity. I know we've heard it. We've heard it all before. (laughs) 
We have heard it all before. Unity this, unity that. It sounds good. It sounds really good, right? Um, but it's like, although we may know that, and although we may say that, we're like a baby trying to trying to walk for the first time. It just keeps stumbling and falling. We can't quite get it right. Not to the not to the point where we're seeing tangible change in in our society, the dynamics in our society internally or externally, right? Within our communities or how other communities may treat us. It's 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 like it's a nice conversation and again it sounds good but it's like where is the actual change but unity right where we also begin to build a life of our own where that lifestyle is not defined by how a group or groups of people have chosen to treat us right but one of the reasons why and again one of the reasons there are many factors but one of the reasons why i think unity always sounds good to us but we haven't quite found our rhythm with with using that right one of the reasons is that not all black people want the same thing <laughs> not all black people want the same thing whether that be regionally nationally or globally we only know what we collectively don't want and typically that thing is related to race when we talk about where we see ourselves in 5 10 20 years it's not about us it's about how people treat us we have to ask ourselves how does this is going to be a hard question, just FYI. We have to ask ourselves, how does a group of people that make up the global majority of the Earth's population find themselves in the predicament we're in? We genuinely have to ask ourselves that question. I want to know. No, I genuinely want to know because the math ain't mathing. Now, before, mm, let's say the 1600s, right? Because that's the earliest documented proof of when the slave trade began. Uh, the first were, again, documented proof with the Portuguese. Um, and then we, you know, we know the rest of it. But let's say before that that time, that time period, uh, we primarily, when we fought, we primarily fought amongst ourselves, as do many, if not all, other nations did. We primarily fought against ourselves. But, you know, foreign entities entered the picture and fast forward, bam, globalization. We are now in the age of information globalization has taken root in our society so not only do we have to figure out ourselves but we have to figure out the role we play in relation to the world we have to figure out 
the role we play in globalization. Because up until this point, up until this point, we haven't had a say in the role we play, right? It was just, we're living amongst ourselves for oh so long, primarily, okay, I'm not saying that nobody with a, ch- with a ship never crossed the sea or met ashore, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying primarily, primarily. Primarily, we were living amongst ourselves, blah, 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 right? And then, again, probably around the 1600s is when we really started, the, the world started to get a lot smaller, okay? But now we can blatantly see the difference between how we were living pre-globalization and now how we are living in globalization it's not post it's just we're in it we have not had a say in all this time of this this thing being built we have not had a say in the role we play in it you you realize that right when you think about it we did not have a say in who invaded our lands how they invaded our lands and took over our lands. We did not have a say in how our resources were stolen and monopolized. We did not have a say in how Africa was carved up by Europeans, how our bodies were sold into slavery, how those bodies were raped and kidnapped. We didn't have a say in how we built this country. I'm talking about America. We did not have a say in how we built this country for free under malicious uh you know attack daily we don't have a say in our music we don't own our music at every turn of the century we have not had a say or been the ones to decide our role in globalization and mind you properly compensated for our contribution to the success of it that arguably would not exist without us now I don't want there to be confusion about what black people have had to do as a means of survival with having a choice or say in what role they've played. Now, with the way globalization works, right, it's like a melting pot. It's like a melting pot of various different backgrounds and ethnicities, whether that be your cultural background, your economic background. It's a melting pot of different ideas and things that we bring from our traditional backgrounds. We put it all into this pot and we make something new. It's like your background brought the eggs, your background brought the water, another background brought the oil, another background brought the flour, we put it all in this melting pot and we make cake. And I think there's some other ingredient, but I haven't baked the cake in a while, so I can't think of it. But anyway, you get the picture. We come into this melting pot and we exchange ideas, again, brought from our own experiences, from our traditional backgrounds and whatnot, and, and we put it into this melting pot and create new things. Cool. Great. Fantastic. Um, but when it comes to black people, right, 
when it comes to black people. It seems to me that the globe's general knowledge and perception of black people are in relation to the roles we've played in globalization. Okay. But it's almost as though our identity is attached to an expectation or even obligation to produce and only produce commodities for the world's consumption. And as a result, we are not entitled to a traditional economy, a traditional society that we or where we prioritize our own preservation. Now, you'll see this more prevalent within the African diaspora that live in the Western Hemisphere. You'll see that more prevalent. But it certainly still happens on the continent of Africa. It, still it certainly still happens within the African diaspora across the globe, where you are expected to always have in the back of your mind. Remember what, what white supremacy did to you? If you even move an inch, if you even bust a move that somewhat kind of looks like what they did, oh, we not, we're going to attack you. We're, you're not, what? How? And then you, you got to now come back to, okay, how come it's not okay for white people to do this question? And how come it's okay for you for you to do it? Oh, gosh. That's really the one right there. And, you know, you it's like that question to me is blatantly expressing your white, your white supremacist ideals that you hold also dear and close to your heart, right? Because anyone with logic and sense, <laughs> what? Y'all try to make an antonym, a synonym so hard and that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And, you know, to 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 the uh, honor of my ancestors, I will not have them rolling in, in the grave by even answering that. It really, we honestly are getting to a, to a point where it's just like, we're not answering those types of questions anymore because you want to know what, in even, let's say the first time that question was ever asked, we never owed an explanation to it, ever. Okay, because like I said, anyone with logic and sense and knowledge, right, actual actual truth of, of what went down between everything, between our group and, and the next group, whatever, would not ask that question unless only the only way you ask questions like that is, one, you're an oppressor, or two, you're uneducated. That is the, those are the only two lanes you fit in. Those are the only two categories you could look in. You ask in questions related to white supremacy rhetoric, you are either an oppressor or you are uneducated. There is no other lane for you. There is no other lane for you. But even if you say the first time that a question like that was ever asked, one, you didn't owe an explanation. But most certainly here in the year of 2022, you want to know what? <laughs> you want to know what? The presentation, the the PowerPoint has been presented. The dissertation has been written. The works have been cited. It's been proofread. It's been, it, the proof has been collected. The evidence has been logged into the archives. Like, it's already been solved. No, it actually has already been explained. 
It truthfully has. So that's why I say at this point in time, you still asking those type of questions, really trying to get black people to backtrack on themselves. You are either an oppressor or you are uneducated, right? Let's say you go to to a, a mechanic, right? You know nothing about cars. The most you know about cars is turning the key in the ignition, pressing gas, and pressing brake and turning the steering wheel. Okay, let's say you go to a mechanic. All right, and you start to say, um, you start to say, yeah, there's a light on my dash. It has a little oil can on it. I think I need uh, more Freon. A mechanic who is versed in in mechanics of automobiles is going to, one, look at you crazy. Two, they're going to know for a fact that you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, okay? You talk to a brain surgeon, all right? They, they are well-versed in that subject that is their field of study. They are a doctor. You know, they got PhDs. They have education in this field of study. They are going to know when they are speaking with someone who does not know something about that topic. <laughs> so you come to black, when we as black people are approached by others and they saying stuff that's talking out of their neck, it's it's ludicrous, right? Shout out to ludicrous. Just this has absolutely nothing to do with nothing. But when people talk about like the top favorite rappers, like who's the best rappers of all time, I feel like Ludacris gets left out a lot. And I feel like Ludacris really did his thing. Like it's one thing to like come and go join that mold that's selling and everybody you know wants, but Ludacris like himself. Anyway, that had nothing to do with anything. Moving on, um, you know. You literally know when they are not versed on the subject. You know what I'm saying? So that should give, I hope it gives someone peace of mind about not feeling like the complete and utter utter crap that they try to make you feel like, right? When one, you either don't want to answer, you don't want to converse, you don't want to be in that conversation, you know, I hope you don't feel like crap because they, it really, the the table should really be flipped, okay? It's because to ask that in the first place, that is the crappy person. You know what I'm saying? Okay, anyway, I digress. Ah, my phone fell off. But in any case, I want to get back to um our role in, in globalization, right? And the ironic part is that, I think I may have said this already, that globalization arguably <laughs> would not exist without us the black people on the face of this earth but excuse me more it's like the second we as black people want to gatekeep our culture right there's backlash, there's opposition, there's uproar. And so we keeping it real, whether that be externally or internally. This is why I would keep saying, like, we're not on one accord about what we want. And also, side note, I said earlier, not all black people want the same thing. And that's all good and well. I'm not opposed to, to that, you know? I am not opposed to that. And fantastic, but... We, as Black people, we need something. We need something 
that is common ground for all of us that is not related to what white supremacy has done to us because that is just further attaching our legacy our history what we're what we're accomplishing on this earth in relation to that no we like i said we live outside of that i really like i think sometimes like what would what would we be doing what would our lives be like had that never happened like what, what would we be doing that's our identity outside of what other people have chosen how other people have chosen to treat us that's our identity right but the second black people seek to gatekeep their culture the second black people want to be the the majority stakeholders of the goods and services that they produce the second black people want to be the ones who are primarily benefiting from their works their ideas their creativity the second black people want to regulate how their culture is shared and absorbed by others we're accused of placing the same barriers that were placed onto us. We do not belong to globalization. Arguably, globalization belongs to us. <laughs> we are not obligated to upkeep and sustain globalization. By the way, a product of white supremacy. I mean, I would, I would have hoped that it happened some other way, but it didn't. You know what I'm saying? At least how the system is configured now globalization is like the baby that white supremacy birthed like i said i would have hoped it happened in a different manner but the way it is constructed and configured now is a product of white supremacy i do not owe my life to it i again i'm not obligated to sustain it none of that 